1: Bonjour, bonjour, bonjour. So happy to be with you. I am in Rhode Island today. I'm in Wakefield, Rhode Island, at the home of my dear friends, Richard and Karen Carruthers. And we had a wonderful gathering of finding freedom and masterful living students yesterday is so nice to be together and uh, we have this wonderful ritual that we do when we get together we we love to bathe each other naked it just is so he no just kidding just kidding testing if you're listening. <laughs> um, no, we had a wonderful gathering with pie and clam cakes and stuffed quahogs and Rhode Island treats that I love because I, I lived in Rhode Island when I was a teenager. From the, Well, from the time I was nine until I was 17 and went off to college. So um, I I love it in Rhode Island. It's so beautiful, so beautiful at their home. It's really, really nice. And uh, this part of the summer is so lovely all the summer foods and treats i bought blueberries from maine life is good and i'm so grateful to join with you now and our topic this week stop learning through pain let the madness end so let's jump in and dive deep here with a prayer I invite you to place your hand on your heart and take this breath of love and gratitude with me. We're so grateful and so thankful to open ourselves to the flow of infinite love, divine intelligence, pure wisdom, and clarity. We partner up with the higher Holy Spirit self for the purpose of remembering and recognizing that our true identity is the eternal, infinite, one mind, the I am that I am. The I am that I am is what has always been. It is our real identity. We are grateful and thankful to step into an awareness of the real world and our real identity. It's perfect. It's whole. It's complete. It's eternal. It's pristine. Its very nature is pure. There's no way for us to ever become impure except in our perception. So we're letting the perceptions go. We're letting the projections go. We're letting go of everything that no longer serves, our path of love, awakening, atonement. We are grateful and thankful to accept the atonement for ourselves. We're grateful and thankful to accept that there is but one life. There are not two. There is only one. Duality is an illusion. We're moving out of fantasy and into reality, and we're grateful and thankful to go together. In gratitude, we share the benefits with everyone because we're one with them. In gratitude, we allow the healing to be. We let it be. And so it is. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Ah, Yes. Yes, yes, yes. So last week we were talking about projection makes perception. We were looking at chapter 21, which is entitled Reason and Perception. And we were looking at the introduction where it says projection makes perception. And as a man thinketh, so does he perceive. So really what we're perceiving is our thoughts projected outward. If we can just get that one thing, that that's a... Uh, f- fundamental thing about this world, it is the basis of the teaching of the Course that we, uh, if we can grasp that everything that we perceive is something that we have projected. Everything that we see or experience with our five senses, it's all being produced by our thought. These are the teachings of the Fillmores, the Ernest Holmes. Uh, It's the teachings of Mary Baker Eddy. It's the teachings of A Course in Miracles. It's the teachings of Buddha. It's uh, all judgments cause suffering. All judgments are attachments. Attachments are the cause of suffering. And the only way out of hell in our mind is through our minds release of the attachments to the thoughts and beliefs that make life hellish. The hell is always of our own making. Heaven is at hand at any moment. So we're stop we're gonna stop learning through pain. So in chapter twenty one, section one, it's entitled The Forgotten Song. The Forgotten Song. You know, in um uh there's the booklet, the song of prayer. So there's this song that's singing to us all the time. It's an eternal m- melody that's always being sung to us. I, I think of it as this a song that the ascended masters and the angels are singing to us. I don't know if you can hear the cicadas. It's, it's, I'm sitting outside here by a lake. It's really beautiful. And... Um, you might hear a little wind on the microphone, but, you know, it's worth it, I think, to sit outside. And um, you might hear the birds or the cicadas. I, I love to be outside. So in uh, in this section, one, the forgotten song in chapter 21, it's my page, 446, paragraph 3. It says, there's no need to learn through pain. There's no need to learn through pain. You know what that means? Pain is optional. Suffering is optional. Why would we option? Oh, you'll see. I could go the painless way. I could go the painful way. I'm going to go the painful way. Why would we choose that? Is it because we're idiots? I don't think so. I do not think so. It's because the the pain is an illusion. And so we are fully testing the illusion. If I go this way there's joy. Ha uh-huh. ha. If I go this way there's tedium, annoyance, frustration. If I go this way there's scalding pain. Hmm. I've tried it all these different ways. I have free will to choose which way am I going to choose? I'm going to choose the better way. I'm going to choose the high road. I'm going to choose the way where when people see me walking on that way, the highway, they're going to say, oh, I'm down here on the low way. I'm down here in the mud and the muck and the mire of my painful judgments and opinions. I'm suffering. They're not suffering. They're walking on the path of peace. Maybe I could walk with them. Maybe I could walk with them. And when we see people who are walking in pain and sorrow, instead of looking at them and thinking, they just don't know, they're fools, they're delusional, uh, instead we can say, all is well. Because in our eternal reality, there is no pain. The pain is like a splinter in the mind that has no power It will not last. It cannot last. It's just an experience for our learning. But like what it says right here, there's no need to learn through pain. There's no need. And certainly we've all learned through pain lifetime after lifetime after lifetime. So if there was a need, perhaps we would have fulfilled it. But that's how the ego learns. So we can learn that slow drip ego way or... We can have quantum insight that's not learning, it's remembering, it's recognizing, it's having a realization. So that's the whole purpose of A Course in Miracles is to save time spent in suffering. There is no need to learn through pain and gentle lessons are acquired joyously and are remembered gladly. Well, doesn't that sound a lot better than falling down and... Being miserable and getting burned and breaking bones and financial loss and disaster. Now, this really does tie in to the trust section, development of trust, in the manual for teachers that I go back to so often. So that's chapter 4, section A, uh, development of trust, section 1A where it says, it takes great learning to understand that all things, events, encounters, and circumstances are helpful. And if we're willing to recognize that, then there doesn't have to be pain. At the beginning of the Development of Trust section, it's page 10 in the Manual for Teachers, my version. It talks about what I call the process of elimination on the way to illumination. Right? remembering our light-filled nature. So in that first paragraph in Section 1A, Development of Trust, it says that we have to go through a period of undoing. And it says they must go through. The teachers of God must go through what might be called a period of undoing. And it says this need not be painful, but it is usually experienced that way. It seems as if things are being taken away, and it's rarely understood initially that their lack of value is merely being recognized. So if you're going through, as many people are right now, experiences of loss, it could be the loss of your sight, the loss of your mobility. It could be the loss of the life as you knew it. It could be the loss of your home, the loss of money, the loss of a loved one. It could be the loss of a job. Uh could be any kind of a sense of loss. If you are upset by it, there's nothing wrong with you. doesn't mean you're not living your life well. It just means you're choosing to learn through pain. But you don't have to. You can change your mind about it. So let's see if we can we can get some more clarity about that so that we can have gentle lessons that are acquired joyously and remembered gladly. So in the Forgotten Song, back again to page 445, it says, Never forget the world the sightless see must be imagined, for what it really looks like is unknown to them. So when we're caught up in the ego, we're not actually seeing with inner vision. And this is something that um, Course of Miracles talks about all the time. I was talking about this recently, about being able to see with vision. And in in the second section of Chapter 21, it talks about the responsibility for sight. And it gives us the recipe for... All we need to do, the only thing we need to do to have vision. And it basically says throughout the course that without vision, you are not seeing clearly. You don't have clear perception. Or not perception. You don't have clear sight. You're not clear sighted if, if you don't have vision. And vision does not come with your eyes. It's not what you see with your eyes. It's what you see with your mind. It's what you are knowing. So there's a difference between perception and knowing. So we know the truth, but we perceive our thoughts and beliefs projected on the world. So the truth will set us free. The truth is what we know, and our beliefs are our perceptions. So this is why I just go back to it over and over and over again. When I hear myself say what I believe is, I'm like cancel that, not interested in affirming any beliefs anymore I'm just going to relax my mind do I need to say that or talk about that? I don't think I do I don't think I do I can just relax my mind and think, is that something I believe or is it something I know? If I know it then it has to be the truth sometimes these terms, the terminology can be helpful to us so, the only things that I know are the truths. The things that I believe are not the truths. My perceptions are not the truth. My perceptions are projection. The truth sets me free. My perceptions cause me pain. Lesson 190. Pain is a wrong perspective, right? Our perceptions come from our perspective which is seen through the lens of our projection. This is Course in Miracles 101. And just understanding these things, you don't have to read the whole book. If you just get these few core things and practice them all day long, you've got your mind training. You don't have to read the book. Many people find reading and studying the book either a distraction from living a Course of Miracles and practicing it, or they find it confusing and discouraging. as the ego will tell them they can't understand it. But if you join with the Holy Spirit, of course you can understand it. You have to join with the one who understands it and, and make the Holy Spirit your teacher. The Holy Spirit, of course, being your own I Am Presence. Your own higher Holy Spirit self. Your own connection to all-knowing. So we're going for the knowing not the perception, not the perspective. So that's what vision is. It's that that knowledge, that insight. So this is the only thing you need do for vision, happiness, release from pain, and the complete escape from sin all to be given to you. Say only this, but mean it with no reservations. For here the power of salvation lies. Here's what you say. This is the recipe for vision, happiness, release, from pain and escape from sin, complete escape from sin, release from all pain, says, I'm responsible for what I see, I choose the feelings I experience, and I decide upon the goal I would achieve, and everything that seems to happen to me, I ask for and receive as I have asked. In other words, it's a projection. It's an illusion. If we're not happy about what we see, it's not the truth. It's a projection. So never forget the world the sightless see. The ones without vision must be imagined, for what it really looks like is unknown to them. They must infer what could be seen from evidence forever indirect and reconstruct their inferences as they stumble and fall because of what they did not recognize or walk unharmed through open doorways that they thought were closed. So one thing you might consider is um, uh, in the, uh, the teachings of the philosopher Plato, he one of his most famous things that he gave us was what became known as the allegory of the cave and uh, so plato gave this teaching about uh, imagine that there are people who are living in a dark cave that's lit by fires and they are chained to the wall looking at the wall so that all that they see are the shadows on the wall. They don't ever actually directly see what's going on in the cave. They only see the shadows on the wall. Their interpretation is going to be completely a projection because they're not seeing directly. They're only seeing the shadows. And so he was explaining to us that this is how we are. We're like the prisoners in the cave, only seeing the shadows on the wall, not seeing directly, not seeing with true vision. And so while Jesus doesn't mention Plato or the allegory of the cave, he often makes references to shadows and seeing only the shadows, only the projections. So here he's, he's bringing it up again. He says, we have to infer from what could be seen from evidence forever indirect. In other words, like the shadows on the wall. And then we reconstruct our inferences. What are the inferences? These are the things that we are getting by uh, deductive reasoning, looking through the lenses of our past experiences. And we all know that our past experiences are so completely distorting. Right. So, you know, in one community, eating crickets, fried crickets and frogs, legs and slugs and different communities, those things are delicacies and delicious you know i know my grandmother said that unbeknownst to her when she was in spain she ate what was the delicacy it was a bull's testicles you know but when she found out later what she was had eaten she was like oh my she was you know wanting to throw up from the thought of it right so what are those? Those are just inferences. These are our perceptions that this is a delicacy and this is something you would never eat. You never put, you know, escargot. They're slugs. They're snails, right? They're, they're, you have escargot. For some people, escargot is a delicacy. For other people, it's disgusting. It's just perception. It's completely the meaning we make of it. For some people, lobster, crab meat, catfish, you know, bottom feeders and things like that. Delicious. They love them. It's a treat. Other people wouldn't even have it. Some people, bacon. Delicious. Let's have it. Sausage. Other people, no. It's vile. It's all perception. It's all projection. So, we're if we start... Inferring, we're just going to go down a slippery slope to learning through pain. We've all been there. We've all done that. So it says here, your, let's see. He tells us we do not see. We do not see truly. He says, your cues for inferences are wrong. And so you stumble and fall down upon the stones You did not recognize, but fail to be aware that you can go through the doors you thought were closed, but which stand open before unseeing eyes waiting to welcome you. So he's telling us that there are, are doors that are waiting open to welcome us, but we don't see them because we're focused on our inferences. We're focused on our perceptions and our projections, rather than being focused on what's really there and true sight. He says, how foolish is it to attempt to judge what could be seen instead? How foolish is it to attempt to judge what could be seen with vision instead of seeing what's real? It is not necessary to imagine what the world must look like. It must be seen before you recognize it for what it is. So we have to be willing to really see what the world is before we can recognize what the world is. So it's really being willing goes back to going to to being willing. So uh, we were talking earlier this morning, we were out walking here in Rhode Island and talking about that step of willingness, the step of having the intention, the step of laying the desire or the problem, or anything that you think you want or don't want on the altar. And that's what it says in the Okay. The greatest gift for us is that we can give to God is to just lay all the things we think we want and all the things we think we don't want. Whether it's Healing in our body, healing in our relationship, healing in our finances, healing in the world. Whatever it is we think we want or don't want. Uh, I don't want these problems anymore. I want these, what seem to be these solutions. Just lay it all on the altar. And instead say, I'm going to take a huge, giant step back and say, I would like peace, love, joy. Freedom, wisdom, clarity, harmony. These are the gifts of God. These are the kingdom, which is pre-installed. Ask and it is given, the Course tells us, because it already has been given. Seek first the kingdom, which is within, and all else will be added unto you. So when we're willing to lay all the things that we think we want or don't want, on the altar, then what we're doing is we're moving into that space of trust. It's a place of trust that we talked about in the development of trust where we can actually discover that all the things we thought we wanted and thought we didn't want were blocking us from actually having a happy life. That's what Jesus tells us in the workbook. Stop thinking you know what will make you happy because you do not know. And this is the way out of learning through pain. There's no need to learn through pain. Gentle lessons are acquired joyously and remembered gladly. But just think about it. If you're walking through your life in your day thinking you have to make it happen, you have to organize it, you have to figure it out, you have to construct it, you have to do it all, you're actually blocking the flow of the joy, the peace, the harmony. This is the hardest thing that I know of that anyone ever does in this world is to stop trying to make it happen. Stop trying to make it happen. Stop trying to work your will and just say, "You know what? My will is perfect peace, perfect happiness." True joy, infinite wisdom, clarity, beauty, truth. That's my will. That's God's will for me. I'm just going to accept it and allow it to unfold. Because if we're focused on it's happening, it's not happening, we're not available to see the open doors that stand open for us. So the simple practice, we're going to keep, we're going to talk about this when I come back from the break uh simple practices that keep us in that beautiful space of allowing the healing so real healing can take place We can't make our healing happen that's the slow drip method if you put the ego in charge of your healing you're going to be trying to make it happen Lordy lordy it's no fun that way it is no you suck the fun right out of it when you put the ego in charge. Ah I'm so happy to join with you today. I'm so happy that we're we're giving up the need to learn through pain. We've all done enough learning through pain. There's just no point in doing any more of it. Enough already. Thank God. <laughs> Thank God for being God today as us. I'm Jennifer Hadley, and you are listening to Of Course in Miracles on Unity Online Radio, where we are actively choosing to live the love to walk the talk, and to live in grace and gratitude. Taking a break here, and I'll be right back.
0: Thank you for tuning in for A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. Get ready to focus on your intent, to be the love, be the peace through practical application as we return to A Course in Miracles, living the love, walking the talk.
1: Welcome back. So happy to uh, be declaring that we are willing to stop learning through pain. Yes. And uh, honestly, one of the most helpful things for me has been to when I find The mind going to the painful thought, like after my mom died, and uh, I would go to the thought, I'm never going to talk to my mom again, and I would start crying. And then my higher self, the Holy Spirit, would say, that's not true. Why entertain the thought that's not true? Why do that? And then I would, because I'm training myself to listen to the Holy Spirit, I would say, yeah, why would I do that? Why would I want to feel pain when I don't have to? It's not true that I'm never going to see my mother again, never going to hear my mother's voice again. That's just the appearance in the illusion, but it's not the truth. If I know the truth, then I know that's, that's a falsehood, why would I entertain it? And so very quickly, I was able to train my mind to just say, it's not true, I'm not going there. So you can start to notice the edges of when your mind goes to the painful thought. right? We've all had the experience. Uh, all adults have lost their baby teeth. All, most adults have had some kind of canker sore or some kind of thing where you know they, they've had some kind of pain. Some cut, some wound in their mouth, on their body, somewhere where they just kept touching it again and again and again. And we do it in our relationships, right? Where I know I used to do this, where my mind would go to, they just don't love me. Well, that's doesn't make me happy why am i thinking that god why am i putting that attention on it god is love i'm one with them we are love eternally so yeah it seems like maybe they're not expressing love towards me right now but if i'm thinking they just don't love me i'm actually attacking them so i'm not being very loving and it's just being mirrored back to me so let me change my tune Let me go find the song of prayer. Let me find the song of peace and serenity and harmony and joy. Let me sing that song to the world instead of the song of they shouldn't, they could have, they, if only, uh, let me find that the happy loving song. Let me find the song of peace, the song of joy, the song of beauty and wisdom and clarity. So that's when, we, we we can do is recognize the, the second that we start to feel a little bit of pain, a little bit of suffering, to change our mind, change our tune. And it says here that um, we can learn to be aware that we can go through doors you thought were closed, but which stand open before unseeing eyes waiting to welcome you. So really, being in that practice of saying to the Holy Spirit, saying to Jesus, saying to the angels, these are the tools that Jesus talks about in A Course in Miracles, say to the company of heaven and all that is holy, help me to see. Help me to see with vision. Help me to relinquish my attachment to seeing the past. Let me see only what is real, only what is true. Let me see with God's eyes. I'm willing. I'm willing. So we have to be willing to put down the... Well, they're not rose-colored glasses, are they? We have to be willing to, to put down the blinders so that we can see. That's the first step, that willingness. And having high intention. The more we can just place things on the altar and say, okay, giving this to the Holy Spirit for healing, Holy Spirit's got this. And when our mind starts going back to it, saying, oh boy, I got to start figuring that out, just go, nope, I gave that to the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit's got that. I do it all the time. And I have, I cannot ever recall authentically saying and meaning it, Holy Spirit's got that, leaving it on the altar and ever feeling like, you know what? The Holy Spirit totally screwed me on that one. I left it on the altar in trust and faith, and boy, oh boy, I just got run over by a car. The Holy Spirit was not looking out for me. That was a terrible decision. I have no recollection of ever having that thought. I've had many times the thought, oh, I never would have seen that being the highest and best. Uh Aha, that's interesting. But it has to be the highest and best because, boy, I feel peaceful now. But it's not how I thought it would go. It's not how I thought it would go. Like with my mother's death, I didn't see that as being the highest and best. I was pretty attached to the highest and best would be The full healing of her physical body. that's what I wanted. I didn't wish for my mother to die. But then when it was clear that's the way it was going, I had to say, okay, everything works together for good. There are no exceptions. As soon as I start making exceptions, I'm saying God has left the building. I'm in charge. I'm on my own. I've got to figure it out. There the pain begins. I don't want to be alone. I don't want to live in a building where God is gone. So I have to say, everything works together for my good. There are no exceptions. And when people die, when there are things in the world that are not the way we would like them, and we can say, I am not going to make exceptions. I'm going to claim this for my good then we are aligned with the Holy Spirit. And it will be revealed to us how it could possibly be for good. Because remember, this is the world of the temporal, the temporary. And so, if you don't like how it is, and it bothers you, it's going to change. Because this is the world of constant change. Things do not remain the same in this world. So if you can let go of trying to control it, it will change. It will change, because this is the world of change. And if you're not trying to control it, and you put the Holy Spirit in charge, for sure, for sure, for sure, it will change for the better, and that's how you learn to have trust and faith. But you won't know it until you practice it. And you can't practice it. It's one of these things where you just, you cannot... Like, you can't step in the boat and step onto the shore or the water. Like, uh, Jesus walking on the water, you can't can't be in the boat and on the water one foot in each place. You either got to go walk on the water with Jesus or stay in the boat. So we're either you can't serve two masters, can't ride two horses going in two different directions. And that's the tricky part. So it's about really letting go of the hand of the ego and taking the hand of the holy spirit. And for most of us that that's a shaky time because we're not totally committed. It's a great learning curve. How foolish is it to attempt to judge what could be seen instead? It is not necessary to imagine what the world must look like. We don't have to know. We don't have to imagine it. We don't have to have any kind of imagination at all. Just put all that aside. Just be willing. It says it must be seen. So the world of true vision must be seen before you recognize it for what it is. You see it with your inner sight before you start to see it outside. You can be shown which doors are open, and you can see where safety lies, and which way leads to darkness, which to light. So this is something we can be shown if we're willing. Wouldn't we like to see that? It says, judgment will always give you false directions, but vision shows you where to go. Why should you guess? Judgment's always going to take you down a meandering detour and vision, truth, will show you where to go in order to be happy and be the joyful, happy learner. Having gentle lessons that are acquired joyfully and remembered gladly. What gives you happiness you want to learn and not forget? It is not this you would deny. So you wouldn't deny that What gives you happiness is really what you'd like to learn and not forget. It says, your question is whether the means by which this course is learned will bring to you the joy it promises. If you believed it would, the learning of it would be no problem. You are not a happy learner yet because you still remain uncertain that vision gives you more than judgment does. And you have learned that both you cannot have. So you can't have judgment and vision. You have to choose one or the other. How do you choose to have vision? You go to that place, I am responsible for what I see, and everything is just as I wish it would be. I am responsible for what I see, and everything is just as I wish it would be. I am responsible for what I see, and everything is just as I wish it would be. And that that takes some great willingness, because... If you're looking at the death of a loved one, the loss of the function of your body, the loss of your finances, uh, uh, the loss of your home, we were just talking about um, my friend Sheila lives in Louisiana. She and her family, they've lost their businesses. They've lost their homes. Everything, the whole community, 80%, wiped out. This seeming loss, it can be very distracting, hugely distracting, very, very painful, unless you realize that it's not even possible to have loss in this world. God is eternal. God is infinite. God is all there is. Where are you going to lose stuff? Where is it going to go? Everything is yours eternally. The peace is yours, the joy is yours, the love is yours, the freedom is yours, the prosperity is yours, the harmony is yours, the wisdom is yours, the creativity is yours, eternally, infinitely yours. But if you start saying, I don't have it, I don't have it, I don't have it, even if you're holding it in your hand, if your mind believes you don't have it, you're going to think you don't have it. And that's what we've done. We have all these spiritual qualities embedded in us. They are our true nature. It's what Course in Miracles calls the great rays. Our true identity is already here. It's already there inside of us. It can't be taken away. But if we pretend, I don't have it, then we can't find it. So... It is your question is whether the means by which this course, Course of Miracles is learned, will bring to you the joy it promises. Are you willing to have faith and trust that it will bring you the joy? Now here's a tricky part, okay? Because I, I've been a Course of Miracles student for ten years. I know people that have been a Course of Miracles student for thirty years, but they don't seem joyful, some of them. I'm not saying everyone, of course. I know ones that are very joyful. Like David Hoffmeister, a very joyful guy. A <laughs> very light-hearted guy. He's been studying the Course for about 30 years now. and But there are people I meet that are still suffering greatly have been studying the Course for decades. So it's not in the studying of it. It's in the laying things on the altar and leaving them there. It's about not Needing the things of this world, but instead opening to and being grateful for the things that are eternally ours and being willing to see with vision. And to recognize that everything is just as I wish it would be because everything is the byproduct of my thought. Right? So, perception is projection. It's what we were talking about last week. And at the beginning today... As a man thinketh, so does he perceive. Therefore, seek not to change the world, but choose to change your mind about the world. Perception is a result, not a cause. So perception is a result of our thinking, and it's not a cause of our thinking. Perception is the result of our thinking. It is not the cause of our thinking. So if I think I'm upset because my sister is doing this or not doing that, that's why I'm upset. I'm upset because my neighbor's dog is pooping on my lawn. I'm upset because I don't have enough money to this or that. That's not why we're upset. It's the meaning that we make of it. It's our thoughts are causing the world that we see. Because if we were resting in peace and joy with the Holy Spirit, with Jesus, and allowing ourselves to be led and taught, we would feel joyful even if our house is flooded. Even if our loved one is dying, we could still find the joy, and that's what I learned when my mom was dying was that I could sit with her when she was almost completely immobile. But I'm giving her a facial every day, twice a day. You know, I uh, that was one of the things I did because my mother was taking these um, drugs that made her give her that moon face, so her skin was stretched terribly, and it just her face was all deformed, and it was. You know, but you could say it was hideous. And um, to, to, to look at her and see her face stretched in that way, or her face so engorged. Uh, and so, in order to care for her skin and to be loving and tender with her, I gave her a facial in the morning and a facial in the evening. And so would take I don't remember took a half an hour or twenty minutes or whatever it took and seriously, when she passed away, her face looked so beautiful because for for months, I had been tenderly caring for her face and her hands and her legs and her feet and massaging them several times a day with uh, creams and essential oils and, you know, bathing and massaging her, her extremities because she could receive that, that love, that affection, that tenderness. She enjoyed it. It was pleasurable to her. It was a relief from her suffering. It was something I could do that was tangible, that was loving. And we didn't have to talk the whole time. We could just be together. And we could just, I could, you know, massage her face and just look tenderly into her eyes and hers into mine. We just gaze, you know, the way that uh, children will do with their parents and parents will do with their children. Just gazing at each other, that love gazing that a lot of times adults just, they stop doing, even with their beloved. That love gazing, it goes out of the relationship. A lot of times, um, even children don't want to look in the eyes of adults because there's so much pain there to see. They don't wish to see it. One of the things why we love to look at children and, and do that is they don't have that pain in their eyes. They're, they're clear a lot of the time. And so we can just enjoy that love gazing. They don't need to, to look away a lot of the times when they're just little tiny ones. They can hold your gaze and enjoy it. And so uh, my mother and I returned to, to that, that return to love and innocence. We were willing to see each other as innocent. Every so there's so much love that was there for us. It was so deeply healing and nourishing to the soul that... Uh, my mother got to, to have that. I got to have that. And it was a way that we both experienced unconditional joy, even when the conditions were, by somebody else's judgment, horrific for what was happening to her body, the the seeming loss of her life. You know, in when Jesus walked the earth, he said that I have come that you might have life, and have it more abundantly. Life, eternal life, have a recognition of our eternal nature, of ascension, of resurrection, of, of knowing true life, eternal life, the real life. And so, my mother and I had that experience at the end of her life. And, you know, And a lot of people, a lot of people... Uh, experience very difficult times with their loved ones at the end of what seems like the life of the body. And they don't know what to do. They don't know how to bring comfort. They don't know how to speak about things or to have conversations, to wrap things up, to have resolution. I suggest to you simple things like, let me just massage your hands with some cream. And you know what? If someone is days or weeks or months away from making their transition it doesn't matter if it's organic lotion it doesn't matter even it's like the hospice care workers were giving my mother uh they were putting vaseline on her body and i was like vaseline no that's for cars that's not for people that's petroleum we don't put petroleum on people um and they they were like uh, she's been taking petroleum laxatives internally for a year. I'm like, what? So then I was just like, okay, I just give up all that. Okay, whatever. <laughs> Whatever's going to give her comfort. So you don't have to make it complicated. You know, just get some cream, massage. Would you like me to rub your feet? Most people will say yes to that. Look, can I massage your hands? Yeah, you don't have to have a conversation while you're... Mass- you just can just be expressing and receiving and sharing love. You know, I got to a point with my mom where I said to her, I said, Mom, I'm not holding anything against you anymore. Are you holding anything against me? She said, Nope. And we knew we were telling the truth. That was a beautiful place. But let me tell you, I, I I had to put the Holy Spirit in charge in order to get there. There was no way I could accomplish that, and it was miraculous. So I'm just saying, it's it works. Simple things, practical application. Nobody has to be practicing a Course in Miracles with you to have the healing with you. It's beautiful. All right. Well, let's see here. Ah. It's time for us to wrap up. if you appreciate this radio show and it's valuable to you, will you consider making a contribution to support it? You can make donations to unity online radio and you can make donations to power of love ministry You can go to jennifer dot com or livingoccour miraclecles dot com uh, power of love ministry dot net and you can make a contribution and your contributions are what support this radio show. We are very actively transcribing. We've got many of the shows transcribed. We're figuring out the best way to put that on the website for you to easily download all those transcripts. We've got hundreds of transcripts coming forward. Your donations make that possible. And uh, don't forget the course... intensive also we have the living a course of miracles retreat in north carolina columbus day weekend october 7th to 10th and the forgive and be free retreat the following weekend got wonderful opportunities coming up self-love an extreme pampering retreat in Thailand, lots more. You can find all the details on the events page at jenniferhadley.com. So let's take that breath of prayer here, go into our heart and say, Holy Spirit, you're in charge. I'm laying everything on the altar. I'm so grateful and so thankful to let all the attachments go. To stand here, I am willing to see with God's eyes. I am willing to be truly helpful in my family, in my workplace, to myself, to my friends. In gratitude, we share the benefits of our healing and our willingness with everyone. In gratitude, we let it be, and so it is. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Have a great rest of your week. I love you so much. God bless you.